Welcome. It's great to see all of you. Last week, we finished up our Sleep in the Light series. It was about us waking up as followers of Jesus. And uh, we're starting a new series today. But before we get into that, I just want to let you know what we're doing for the rest of the year. November is going to be a great, great month. We're going to have on the 10th, our missionary partners from North Africa. They're going to be here. They haven't been here for multiple years, and so we're excited they're able to be here this year. They're going to tell us about their work. Really, really good stuff. On the 17th, we're going to focus on children at risk. It's such a problem in our world. And we're excited that we're part of two ministries that are significant. One we've been involved with for years, Christian Children's Home of Ohio, and new one that we're getting involved with is called Safe Families. So we're going to talk about those two ministries on that day. Then on the 24th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to have a special day of worship and Thanksgiving in here, two services. So we encourage you to be here for that. And then the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we start into our Christmas series. And we're going to be doing a series called Christmas at the Movies. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's also going to be a lot of truth. And we're excited about that. For all those things, we encourage you to be here, to bring a friend, and uh, to just be involved in the life of the congregation, life of the church. Um, today we start a new series, and if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians. This month we're going to go through, uh, for five weeks, we're going to go through the book of Colossians. So um, we're going to start in chapter 1. We're not going to do the entire book, we're just going to take portions of it, but we encourage you to read it at home. In fact, just every week, just read all the way through it to get the flavor, the, the truth that God is going to be talking about. And each week, we're going to have three words that talk about Jesus. And today, it's Jesus is first. Now, first is a big deal, right? If you're from the United States, you also are like, oh, yeah, first. We've got to be first in everything. In the Olympics, if we don't get first place, I'm mad. We've got to have more goals than anybody, right? First place is a thing for us. Let's do a quiz about some things that were first. So last year in the Big Ten Conference, who came in first in basketball? That's right, Ohio State. Very good. Who created the first smartphone? Anybody know? Definitely not Apple. It was not Apple. It was actually, most people say it was IBM in like 1992. It was called Simon, not the game you play. It was called Simon, and it came out in 1992. It actually went into production in 1994. Some of you are Googling this right now. You're like, that's not true. That's not true. It's true. And uh, you could buy that smartphone for, are you ready for the price? It'll sound kind of familiar. $1,099, right? It was. It was $1,099. All right. Um, who was the first female to fly solo around the world? Amelia Earhart. Who was the first person to put a foot on the planet, well, not the planet, on the moon? That was Neil Armstrong, right? The planet moon. That's what we call it now, in case you were wondering. It's the new name. Probably the most important first is who came in first in the 600-yard dash at Mayberry Elementary School? This guy. That's right. Still living on that sixth-grade win, man. All right. Well, when we talk about first, it's really important for us to understand intellectually, to, to dig into this idea that Jesus is first. And there are a lot of Bible passages that talk about Jesus being the most important, the most significant. But today we're going to use Colossians, and we're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 15 through 20. 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and how it teaches us truth. Help us not only to to hear it, but to live it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So those exact verses were probably a poem, maybe a song that was used in the early church because they didn't have a printed Bible or they didn't have an electronic Bible, obviously. So for them to understand, they would use things like this to teach. And so this was something they would have heard multiple times. It was like a song, something they would have memorized because there's a lot of deep truth that is communicated here. It's full of truth and authority and and doctrine, and it's foundational to our faith. As N.T. Wright said about this passage, it gives the church not merely an exalted view of Jesus and hence of humanity, but of God and his world. God, people, and the world are each now to be understood in relation to Jesus. It's interesting when we read this, the the phrase that might kind of catch us and throw us off a little bit is the firstborn over creation. It's a little tricky to understand. And it actually gave rise to the false teaching that Jesus was created, which some people still believe today. But Jesus was never created. Jesus is the creator, as the text clearly says. God created the physical world. God created the spiritual world, what we can see and what we can't. And again, it's very clear here in the text. It's also clear in the very first words of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it talks about how God created everything from nothing and how God did that by speaking. And, and people who completely trust Jesus and who completely believe that the Bible is the authoritative truth of God will differ on whether that was a 24-hour period or a really long period of time. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that God created. God created. We are not accidents. We were created by God. Everything that exists was created by God. This same truth is echoed in John's gospel, the very first words of his gospel, the very first words that he gives us say this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that word is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. 
Again, Jesus is the word. So Jesus is the creator. He is the spoken part of God. So when God says, let there be light, that's the voice of Jesus speaking all things into existence. And this, again, is foundational to our faith. It's interesting that the New Testament was written in Greek. And this, the word, word, is the word logos. But it's interesting in that Greek word, there is actually deeper meaning if you were a Jewish person. Because when a Jewish person heard that word, the word, word, they would have thought of a different word. And that sounds confusing. Let me have Michael Cart explain it a little more clearly. When John says word, it is not the Greek logos, but the Old Testament Hebrew debar he has in mind. Debar means both word and deed. Significant, right? Word and deed. So when God says something, it happens. For example, let let there be light is how God creates light, just by saying it. And then John provides some similar examples. Your son will live, heals the royal official's son in John 4. Walk causes the lame man to rise in John 5. Go opens the eyes of the blind man, John 9. Come out, calls Lazarus from the tomb in John 11. The conviction that Jesus is the creative power of God was basic to Paul's understanding of who Jesus is. Our words, they have power, right? We can use words to destroy someone or to build someone up. But none of us can speak something into existence. Jesus can, and Jesus did. Everything we can see, everything we can't, was wonderfully, intentionally, powerfully designed, created by God, by Jesus. Nothing existed before Jesus created it. Jesus is first, simple. Then verse 17, Jesus is the creator. He's also the one who holds it all together. He is the sustainer. In him, everything's connected in harmony and intention. Jesus holds everything together from the massive universe to the smallest subatomic particle. And again, this is more theology. This is more truth. But this also applies to us. As David Garland writes, the universe is not self-sufficient, nor are individuals, no matter how much they may deceive themselves into thinking they are. Even those who do not acknowledge Christ's reign and those who actively oppose him are entirely dependent on him. Jesus sustains everything. Jesus is self-sustaining. Simple. Verse 18, Jesus is the creator, the sustainer, and Jesus is the authority. And Paul specifically talks about Jesus being the head of the church. And we then, as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're part of the church. You are part of his body. And the head of the church, the head of the body is Jesus, which means none of us 
are. No person is in charge. No pastor, no elder, no leader of any kind, no bishop, no pope. Jesus is in charge of the church. And all true followers of of Jesus are united then under his authority, his headship. So Jesus is the authority. Simple. And then verse 20 reminds us that Jesus is wonderfully also the Savior. This is supremely important to understanding who God is and who we are and how much God truly loves us. See, the world is broken because every single one of us have gone outside of God's beneficial design. And because of that, we suffer. The people around us suffer. All of creation suffers because we have gone outside of what God designed for us. So only Jesus, who lives perfectly and has always been perfectly within that design, can save us. Only he has the power to reconcile, to bring together, to make whole all of creation. And as people, we have the opportunity to say yes to that reunification, to being reunited with Jesus, to being reconciled with God through what Jesus did. And that was primarily done, as it tells us, on the cross. Jesus, because of his deep, passionate love for us, gave his life so we could have life. So Jesus is the Savior of all who place their faith in him. Simple. So here we, we understand Jesus is Savior. He's authority. Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is first in all these things. And again, we, we need to understand that. We need to make that intellectual connection. But intellect, knowledge is not really enough. It's not all that God would want for us. In fact, he has something richer for us than even deep truth. God wants deep relationship. Jesus never invited us into religion. He invited us into relationship. I met Urban Meyer once. Some of you may know Urban Meyer. I know for a fact that you can find out as probably more information about Urban Meyer than he knows about himself, right? You can Google it or whatever and find out all kinds of facts. But there's, there's a family here in our church. Jacob and his family actually know Urban Meyer. Like they could call him right now and he would answer the phone. He would talk to them because they have a relationship. And that's what God is inviting us to, not just informational awareness, but relationship. So with that in mind, let's just briefly talk about those four things that we see here about Jesus and how he is first. And then how does that apply to us? How does that connect to our lives? What do we do with that? So first, Jesus is the creator, which means we need to, again, understand this, but we need to experience this. You were created uniquely. You were formed by God. He wove you intricately together. He has a plan for your life. You are not an accident. You are important because God made you 
And God made you in his image. Again, in Genesis chapter one, it says that humanity is formed uniquely in the image of God, which means every person has value. Every person needs to be understood in that way. Every person has worth. It also means, as we see that God created everything, that creation itself has value because it also declares the glory of God. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to be first in taking care of what God said to take care of. That's our responsibility. All of creation reflects God's glory. And I don't know about you, but that's one of the reasons I feel so close to God when I am in nature. You just experience God's presence uniquely there. So this is a picture that's very similar to what you would see in Arizona. When we were on a mission trip in the late 90s, we we saw a sky like this, and it was incredible. It's not the same sky that you see in Columbus. Now it's the same sky, but you don't see it the same way, right? If you are interested, by the way, in seeing a sky like this, you can sign up to be part of the Red Sands Navajo Nation mission trip in the fall of next year when you will not only experience God's presence and the people and the work and the ministry that God is doing there, but you'll be able to see God in nature because the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands as Psalm 19 verse 1 tells us. So what do we do with this? We say thanks to God for creating us and we join with nature in worshiping the creator, not the creation. And we do that on Sunday mornings as we gather. We've done it this morning. We're going to do it again. But it's more than just that. It's how we live our lives. It's how we give thanks. It's how we say, God, you are worthy. Thank you for creating me. Jesus is the sustainer. When I was a kid, I used to love to make models, you know, with a plastic models. I, I did a few cars, but I really liked doing airplanes. And there's this special ingredient that works really well when you're making models. It's called glue. Because if you don't have it, you can put the pieces together all you want, and it's not going to stay together. Now, most of the time when you build a model well, you don't see the glue. Now, some of my models, you had an extra benefit because you could see glue in all kinds of places. You weren't supposed to see the glue. But when you think about all of creation and how God has made it, God also holds it all together. And in a way, God is kind of invisible, right? We we see the the work of God, but it's pretty infrequent that people say, "I, I saw God, right? But we see God's presence and we know that God is the one who is holding everything together, unseen, but very, very present. God sustains the universe. God created the universe, which means God has power over all those things. So whatever is going on in our lives, we believe Romans 8, 28, which says that God is working everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is able to work in whatever circumstance, no matter how difficult. So each day we wake up and we say, God, thank you for giving me another day of life. Thank you for sustaining me through the night and for sustaining me to this point. And God, thank you for holding everything together 
And that seems especially important during those times when everything seems to be falling apart. Jesus also is the authority. And again, he's the head of the church, which again means Christians. We are all smaller parts of the church and we follow Jesus. So what we believe and do should be aligned with the head, the one who is in charge, the one who has authority. And when we wonder what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to believe, then we look to the word of God. It's the truth. And we also, in some Bibles, there's the, what's called the red letters, the, the letters of Jesus, the words that he spoke are in red. And while all of the Bible is inspired, sometimes it's good for us to pay a little extra special attention to those words that Jesus said. Because Jesus brings truth to our lives. If Jesus is the authority, then not only are people not in charge, then what is important, what makes the final decision, what has the final say is not my feelings. My feelings are not the authority. Teaching of humans, not the final authority. Traditions of people, not the final authority. The final authority is Jesus. Now, all those things can be beneficial, but when they are in conflict with what Jesus says, guess who wins? Jesus is first. And we submit to the authority of Jesus. And in three weeks, I know you're all going to be excited about this. In three weeks, we're all going to talk about how we get to submit. Yes. Our favorite thing. And again, finally, Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who brings us back to God. And if you look in verse 13, Um, We're going to look at verses 13 and 14. They sort of just give us a pretty cool word picture. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And that word rescued there means to drag out of danger. To drag out of danger. So when you think about it, our part in being rescued is pretty minimal, right? We just kind of lay there as we are drugged out of danger, as we are rescued. Some of us have heard this, the uh, illustration of like a, a life preserver, right? And how are a life raft and how that's provided for us as followers of Jesus. And I think there's truth in that. But when you think of a life preserver, I always think of you know, you're playing around and somebody throws your life preserver and you grab on and you hold on with all your might. And, and there's truth to that. I mean, that's what our faith is. But we don't even have the strength to hold on to anything. In the process of being rescued, we're basically dead. That's what the Bible says. We're dead. And I don't know about you, but I don't think dead people are holding on to a life raft very well. So Jesus literally has to rescue us. He has to bring us from darkness to light, to light, from death to life. Our part is to believe that, but 
The doing, it's not up to us. We can't do anything. Which brings us to a question that's really important. Have we placed our faith in Jesus? Do you trust what he's done to save you? Do I? And if you have never said yes to that, if you've never said, I do place my faith in Jesus, today is the day you can do that. Jesus is Savior. He's authority. He's the sustainer. He's the creator. Jesus is first. And while Jesus is first, God gives us the freedom to answer this question. Is Jesus first? Is Jesus first? You know, our mission is written on our walls. Love God, love people, impact the world. And we love hearing stories of the impact, right? We love hearing stories of the impacting the world. And we love to be able to be engaged with people, truly loving them. But none of those happen unless the first thing is happening properly. We have to love God first. Jesus said it. It sums up the law and the prophets. So is Jesus first? Am I committed to that for real or is it just words? On my phone, uh, about 8.20 at night, every 20 minutes, there are three reminders that go off. And they all, in very creative ways and wording that I've changed over time, say the same basic thing. Stop eating. That's basically what they say. Steve, would you please stop eating? Think about tomorrow morning when you wake up, all those things. All right. I was talking to a friend this week. We're both in ministry. Uh, he's in another church, and we were just talking about life. And I've known him for over 30 years, and we we're just talking. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. I got this alarm thing. He goes off, and he goes, no, you're not. I was like, whoa. <laughs> he said, you're really not. I said, but when you get serious about it, you call me. And I will be right there with you. I will help you. I will encourage you. I'll be an accountability partner for you, but just let me know when you're serious about it. I was grateful to have a friend that said that, that was speaking truth. Because we can say, Jesus, you're first, but do we really mean it? Is Jesus first in my thought life? Is Jesus first in the way I talk to other people, the way I treat others? Is Jesus first in the decisions that I make? Is Jesus first in the way that I worship, in the the way that I get excited about what God has done? Is Jesus first in authority? Is Jesus first in my heart? Our enemy fights. He battles us. But here's the good news, and you know this. He's already defeated, right? Our enemy is defeated because of Jesus. And in this amazingly wonderful, powerful way, when we say, God, I really want to get serious, God says, I am right there with you. I will join you. I will encourage you. I will help you. Because God 
wants us to have victory through Jesus. So as we get ready to sing, I want us to stand and I want us to to use two verses that God has given to us to say them back to him. Go ahead and stand and we're going to say these together. And I, I just would ask that you read them with a strong voice and being grateful to God as we read them. Here we go. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 4.4 4. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.57 When we put Jesus first, Jesus fights for us. When we praise him, he fights for us. And we, thanks be to God, get to experience victory. This has been a sermon series by Discover Christian Church. Find more at discovercc.org.